This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. All public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you. So after I read, after I heard um, Jill read this poem, actually I knew she was going to read it, I got a copy of it in the afternoon. So I made my own um, response. So here was my response. Um, Without entanglement, so she said, um, empty-handed entering the world, barefoot leaving. Too simple, simple coming and going that got entangled. So I said, without entanglements, without entanglements, there is no dark confusion. With no dark confusion, there is no light of the Dharma. With no sickness, there is no healing. With no living, there is no dying. With no dying, there is no living. So the purity of the lotus And the activity that each one of us experience when we try to sit down at the end of a busy, demanding day and feel it, hear it, listen to it, come out of our bodies, out of our minds. It's the relationship between them is the grind of awakening. If we think that the Dharma is to annihilate the karma of our life and our efforts will be futile because it will never happen. If we think somehow the Dharma is going to enhance the karma of our life and make it just the way we want it, then that's not going to happen either. So these are two points for us to watch right in our meditation as we strive to get just the right posture. You know, where can I place my lower back so that it will be wonderfully poised and balanced and relaxed and then my meditation will be really good. (laughs) (laughs) Or my shoulders or my chin or my hands or my knees or any other part of my body. And it's tricky because it's not that that is not a helpful inquiry. That is very helpful. If it turns us towards seeing more clearly what is the body? What is the experience of being body? So this is how sickness creates healing. When we contact 
difficulty, we start to experience the path of liberation. When we contact what is, we start to experience what it is to not be stuck. When we contact self, this constricting, solidifying, separating tendency, we start to see the path of not being stuck in self. So this is what is called cessation. So maybe when we read this teaching from the early sutra, we feel like, okay, there's this, then there's cessation, and then there's this. But actually, as, as we start to practice, as we continue to practice, we start to see that this is a process. That coming and going are always continuing. This is what it is to see impermanence. I mean, we can do many basic exercises in our life. Sometime when you have a major event coming up in your day and and you feel a certain amount of apprehension or anxiety or even excitement or anticipation, note it. Note the image you have of what it is you're going to experience. How you're expecting it to play out. So note that and then go through it and then maybe afterwards in the evening compare. How was it? How was what I planned? What I expected? And what happened? So the challenge is to allow ourselves to enter into a process. And of course, when we think of the process in a certain way, maybe it fills us with hope and optimism and we enter gladly. Or maybe we think about it with apprehension and we resist it. So part of our practice as handed down to us through hundreds, thousands of years is to quite literally discover a way that doesn't base our willingness to enter the process on an optimism that's subtly feeling like I will get what I want or that is subtly feeling this is somehow about annihilating who I am something about my existence will be diminished by this process. So usually when we start to sit, um, I think for most of us in the West, 
we read something or we hear a Dharma talk and we have this rising optimism, this, this great revelation of possibility. I know I did. I remember I was in Japan and someone gave me this book on Zen. A Zen priest gave it to me actually. And it was called The Iron Flute. And I opened it and I read it and I was exhilarated, excited, and awestruck. And um, and in reflection, at that time in my life, uh, things were quite difficult. I had um, I'd met up with my girlfriend in Japan and very quickly our relationship fell apart and um, and so I was alone in this strange country not able to speak the language and then all of a sudden and somehow this plunged me into a kind of existential question what is life about and just what am I doing you know wandering around the world without any fixed agenda And then I was awestruck by Zen. And then all of a sudden my life had an agenda. Some great Dharma crusade. I would become enlightened. And being young and having nothing else to do. <laughs> it was great. And I took it on like a crusade. And, and I plotted and I planned and I, people told me you can go to Thailand and become a monk and you can like just walk in the door and they take you and which they did which is kind of terrific and then they said now go up here where all the forest monasteries are and you and, and indeed I did all that and um, But whatever it was, whatever the, 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 you know, the brass ring that I was trying to grasp, whatever this thing that, that was going to shed off my karmic life and make everything perfect, it didn't happen. I went, I meditated very diligently, very dramatically. And then I came back to Bangkok and I cleaned the toilets. Because at that point, um, after all of that, that seemed like the most appropriate response. <laughs> so for those of you who are planning such a crusade, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to discourage you. Because uh, I honestly feel like uh, each of us does set off in our own crusade. Hopefully. But that we should recognize that the very nature of our crusade in the Dharma will show us what we've been adding. You know? Whether it's trying to annihilate this or accomplish that. 
that the path of our Dharma will reveal something about the middle way. That sickness and healing are intertwined. And it's the nature of how they're intertwined that reveals how to practice. It's the nature of mind that teaches us how to practice with mind. So as I said at the start of the sitting, there is an important and relevant and helpful approach to practice. And this has to do with being willing to enter into the stream of activity and accept it as it is. If entering into the stream activity is based on what we're going to gain, that will create a certain consequence. If it's based on what we think we're going to cut away, that will create a consequence. The challenge of the Dharma, the challenge of the middle path, is that entering in asks the question, what's happening? Innocently, with curiosity, with courage, with patience, with compassion. So every time we sit down to meditate, this challenge is right in front of us. Can this amazing thing called a human life be allowed to unfold, to flow through us? Can this amazing thing called having a human mind be allowed to be experienced? I have thought this afternoon that, um, I don't know, but whenever I come to this group, I always feel like I should do something quite strange. (laughs) I don't know why, I can't explain that. (laughs) So, uh, I think it's the way my mind works. Um, So this afternoon, I I lifted up this book of haiku by Basho, and and I read this haiku, and I thought, okay, well, that's what I should give a talk about, that haiku. Um, So here's the haiku. Tears for the wild geese of Shosho, a hazy moon. So my question to you is, what does that poem stir in your mind? 
tears for the wild geese of Shosho. A hazy moon. So constantly the mind is stirred. So, so try to note what that stirred up. And then I'll say what I think, literally, and see how that influences your own mind. Because the practice of the Dharma is to take that awakeness, that awareness of meditation and carry it into each activity. Meditation is simply an opportunity to focus simply and directly on the activity of being. And then our life is to watch it become more complicated, more active. So in our life, things are presented, we respond and then we act. So I thought, I'll read this haiku and then I'll ask people what they think. And then I came in here this evening and I thought, you know, with such a big group, people would probably be um, intimidated to say what they think. Uh, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? That we would be intimidated to say what we think. Who are the other people in the room that um, make us intimidated? So I've decided to try it anyway <laughs> and see if any of you say anything. Moon, plum blossoms, this, that, and the day goes. What image, what thought comes to mind? Anyone just like to speak out? Surprise yourself. Moon, plum blossoms, this, that, the day goes. I think that's what it was. <laughs> My answer to your question, I would say, um, quite literally, it's whatever you make it. Um, you know, this is the the nature of subjective experience. 
summarized, I guess, as uh, distraction of different things of this, that, uh, just how the mind flips. And it reminds me of beauty in nature, and then here's the day. You know, this is another day. This, that, the day goes on. It reminds me of time passing with the moon, and then the plump blossoms in the spring, and the day to day activities. Um, just made me connect with the moment of stillness and m- amongst everything that's going on. Okay, great. Good. You're warming up. Let's try another one. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while to warm up. What about the first one? Back to the first one? Okay. Back to the first one. Tears for the wild geese of Shosho. A hazy moon. I assumed it was a place. Good, noting curiosity. I suppose it's doing the conceit better on it and judging the judging the haiku rather than really understanding it. You know, what I really didn't really want to get into um, some of the content of so I'm trying to, you know, evaluate it and judge it rather than really try to understand it if that makes sense to you. You didn't want to get into well, I did want to, but I'm Oh you wanted to. I did want to. I misspoke but I what I often find is that my my judging traps ruin my take point of poison or take mm. my ability to understand a process of an experience. So right. the experience of the poet yes. gets kind of blocked by the paint of the critique better of why better or worse than kind of treatment. Yes, that makes sense. And then the moment of awareness and the liberation of the moment of awareness is that the mind is not caught. The the awareness frees it. The only problem is that when I have to go through that loop, I still have to go back and try to take the conceits better away from the haiku and then you know, try to once again get a first pristine message. Who says? Who says you have to? <laughs> well, well, otherwise it's suffering with the conceits it's a great question. <laughs> and the, an- the, the answer I would give you would be this. Um, we escape suffering by being willing to suffer. 
And, and, and if we look at the Dharma a little closer, the Dharma says that um, in this human life, the nature of, of having a human body, having a human mind, there is a certain amount of suffering. And then the response, the reaction, the, the way we push and pull against that compounds that. Now, it's the way we compound it that can be released. The arising of, of um, a certain state of mind. You're saying, oh, well, then that state of mind causes a certain amount of suffering. Yeah. But then struggling with it, getting agitated about it, uh, feeling like it must be changed, that creates another level, another round of suffering. Now, that round of suffering, when awareness is brought to it, we can see that that round of suffering is not inevitable. That round of suffering is an activity that it's participated in. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and so what, why I was throwing out these haiku was because this entering into the stream of existence has a component of willingness. You know, when we meditate, we start to think that it's about concentration, it's about yogic skills, it's about concentration, settledness, you know, it's about accumulating capacities. But actually, our life is constantly offering. It holds out a haiku. And there's a response. We have a response. Each one of us has a response. An act of creative genius. The Finger Snap Sutra. <laughs> there's actually, in the early sutras, there's one called the Finger Snap Sutra. Can the, can the response be met? Can it be experienced? That's also the quality. So let me read another haiku. And let's all play with this notion. Whatever arises is whatever arises. Whatever comes into being is what comes into being. There's no special accomplishment required. To enter into the moment of existence does not require any special attribute. I had the book upside down. <laughs> okay. So, are you ready for your enlightenment experience? <laughs> Don't imitate me. It's as boring as the two halves of a melon. <laughs> so what did mine do with that? 
<laughs> See the two halves of a melon. Anyone else? Be yourself. Be yourself. Anyone else? It's a challenge. It's offered as a challenge. Spark of creativity. Spark of creativity. Statement of humility. Statement of humility. It's funny. It's funny. So this is mind. Pop, 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 pop image. You know? Hearing a beautiful 14th century poem and at the same time thinking, uh oh, I'm up next. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> crying about the wild geese and at the same time noticing the hazy moon. You know? This is, you know, th these beautiful images get held up and we feel like, okay, and in that moment, nothing but the lotus flower exists. The lotus flower includes everything. It leaves nothing out. That's what it means that nothing but the lotus flower exists. Anything the lotus flower leaves out detracts from the lotus flower. This is it. It's exactly this. And it's not in contrast or conflict to anything else. This is the activity of meditation. This moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. Not to be grasped, not to be pushed away, not to be diminished, not to be filled with grandizement. Something so simple and so direct that for most of us the constant request is to notice how we complicate it. Oh, this is not it. My back hurts too much. This is not good posture. Oh, there's too many thoughts going on in my head. I'm thinking about the hazy moon while the geese are flying or um, this or that. We split the world like two halves of a melon. How boring. Sorry, but I was told that we had to end at nine and it's five after. <laughs> um, but I will read one more haiku. <laughs> so, please, enjoy. Enjoy the genius of your own mind. Lightning. And in the dark, the screech of the night heron. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.